0: Good evening everybody, today the 28th of November, our last Q&A for this month, 43 sessions so far, we just thank God for all these days, all the questions, the answers He gave us, the people who were blessed by it, we just thank God for. Today we do not have that many questions, but we do have questions, seven questions are enough, right? We have seven questions for today. And uh, before we go to the questions, we will once again pray. Father, we just come to you this evening. which just say, thank you, Lord. You are with us through this day, Lord. Yes, Lord. We just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. For us, a full day. Now, the final session for this day, this evening, the children have sent questions from different parts of the world. And we pray... You will give us the answers. Yes, you alone have the answers of every question. You are the answer of the Father to every question. The true answer, the only answer. Give us wisdom to answer. Your children, Lord. Give this time over to you. Be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vijay, let's get into the question.
1: So, the first question we look at is uh, on page number two. Uh, When you talk about the shadow of his hands and the shadow of his wings, is this the anointing? I'm not getting it. This is Tracy and I'm 17 years old. Please explain
0: this to me. Hi, Tracy. (coughs) Like when we are talking, when you are talking about the shadow, Primarily, let us go to that one psalm from where it all, other places are there, but primarily it is from Psalm 91, so that we understand what God is talking about. Psalm 91, (coughs) verse 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Mm. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. That's where this entire concept comes from. Now let's get into the question and see how we, how we look at the answer. First thing we need to look at it is that It is conditional. The shadow is not for everybody. Hmm. If you look through the entire Psalm, it gives you protections at practically everything the enemy throws at you. But it is condition on he who dwells, yes. Yes. not he dwelt or will dwelt. Like in uh, the New Covenant, Jesus will use the term in John 15, he who abides oh, yes. in me. Okay. Mm-hmm. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Shadow is in the sense of basically uh, you are very close to God. Because for a person's shadow to fall upon you, you need to be walking very close with Him. Then only the shadow falls upon you. So the 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 whole thing about the shadow is it is the Lord's shadow falls upon you. It basically means spiritual proximity. You are in a place where you are very close to Him. And then it says, that place, uh, uh, is a secret place of the Most High. A secret place of the Most High. So, if you look at verse one itself, it says, it brings many concepts over there. One, he who dwells. <coughs> the second, he dwells in the secret place. Third, it talks about he abides under the shadow of the Almighty. So it is, it is, and in, um, Matthew chapter six six Jesus uses the term secret so that we understand something there. Right? Three times if I remember. Yeah, let's go there. Take heed that you do not Yeah. Okay. When you pray, yeah it's vibrating very badly. But when you pray. It is vibrating. When no, you pray, no, no. go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in in the secret place. So when you pray, so the whole question is, yeah, now it's fine. The whole question is this. How do I get into the secret place when I am on earth? It is said very clear. When you pray, go into your room and shut your door. That's it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Meaning there are three activities mentioned over here primarily. One is in the activity of giving, the second in the activity of praying, and the third is the activity of fasting. Fasting. In all these three places, God says, you go into that place in secret. Okay, nobody has to know about you. Nobody has to know about you. Okay, honestly, nobody has to know about you. And one of the things which people, especially wives, why I brought wife over is because if I say I'm not eating, my wife will immediately ask, are you eating or not? Why are you not eating? So you don't want even your spouse to know what you are doing. Okay, okay. So if your husband says, suppose your husband says, I'm not taking lunch today, leave it open. Don't say, are you eating out? Are you going out? Are you eating in the canteen? Just leave it out. You don't have to inquire. Because he's an adult, he knows what he's doing. Okay? Because what happens is, sometimes a man wants to do something in secret. Because a woman doesn't get into that position because she's the one who cooks. Mm. So whether she eats or not, the man usually does not really know because he's not there the whole day. Whether the man eats or not, the woman knows. I'm just telling you an example. okay? Because lots of times... When you simply have to do it, it's between you and God. Nobody has to know. Nobody has to know. Okay, it's between. Meaning, you 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 are building a life with God alone. God alone. Let's. So we saw this three things about secret. Go to Hebrews chapter eleven and verse five, verse six. Okay, we actually, we quote it, and we quote it right, but sometimes we have to quote it in context. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We look at it in isolation, usually, because it can stand on its own mm. in isolation. Yes. But if you look at it in context, it's talking about Enoch. Enoch. Yes. It's talking about Enoch. Then mm. it makes more sense, verse 5. Okay. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. He had this testimony, he pleased God. And if you look at the entire, if I'm right, nine verses are written, nine or eight verses are written in the whole new covenant and old covenant about Enoch. What is the thing that is mentioned? He walked with God. Oh, Yes. yes. So, Hmm. he pleased God. Hmm. His walk pleased God. And if you actually study the new covenant, he walked with God in secret. Hmm. He had this secret life with God in which his family was not interested. That's why God took him alone. He had a wife, he had children, he had Methuselah, all that. Okay. He had a father, he had family. They all lived for donkey's years. So, Hmm. he had this huge set of household around him. But he walked alone with God. How do you live in this huge family setup and walk alone with God? That means he had a secret place. And you will look at Jesus had a secret place with his father. The disciples usually never wake up. They come when it is over. But he constantly focused on this secret place. I this secret place. And we build that secret place. secret place. And I would always say that you're not keeping it away from your spouse. But it is even even impossible for the closest spouse to enter into that space. Because for a man and woman to walk together with God, it is that man and woman have to become one. It's very difficult. It's easier for you to become one with God than to become one with another person. Because with God it is easier because of who God is. Mm. But the human being has his or her own limitations to able to understand you. But God has no limitations of understanding you. Mm -hmm. And God has no limits to which he is willing to reveal himself to you. So when you are talking about the secret place, it is in so many ways a personal walk. We have a walk as a community, we have a walk as a family, but above all there is a walk as uh, individual. And you will always see that was Jesus, that was what kept Jesus all said and done, separate. Even on his greatest hour, that is in the garden of Gethsemane, he takes them, then he moves the three to the front, Peter, John, and James. He says, tells Peter, stay up an hour with me in prayer, please. And then he says, because he goes even further. Even further. Oh, yes. yes. The minute he separated himself from the eleven and went even further, he has entered into his secret place. Hmm. And he's hearing very, very clearly. And when he comes back, he sees, Nobody has entered it into that with him. Okay, so when you're talking about the secret place, it is over a period of time you develop that with God and in your personal intimacy with God. And you learn to hear from him. But more than hearing, okay, when we use this hearing, we have to be very careful about these things because a lot of people want to hear because they have issues with uh, with uh, life. Hmm. Okay, okay. Like a child comes to a father, he wants to hear because he has issues, he needs something, so he wants to hear. But when you're walking with God, a point will come, you don't want to hear. Just want to be with him. Mm. If he has something to say, it is fine. But you're not going there because you have a problem or an issue. Mm -hmm. You just, that's what he's talking about, he is dwelling in his presence. Mm. Okay, dwelling in his presence. And that is the sacred place it is talking about. So when it is talking about the shadow, okay, shadow, and if you go back to Psalm 91, you will say, and such a person will be able to say, where does verse 2? How will be able to say? He's able to say with confidence, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I will trust. Okay? Out of that experience come, and that's, that's Paul, mm. like mm. we saw in the morning about, mm. Philippians chapter 4. Where does he get all this from? Mm. I mean, he's... And scripture has recorded it as scripture. Yes. So this this is this man's life. He's lying in prison, lying in chains, and he says, I know how to abound. I know how to ab- abase. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, be anxious for nothing. I mean, we would expect... The, we, we should expect... We should be telling him all these things. Because he's lying in prison, we are free. <laughs> but he's telling us all these things. And the whole idea is his prison cell becomes a secret place. Becomes a secret place, okay? Mm-hmm. It becomes a secret. And that's what God is doing. Then you have this confidence, mm-hmm. I will say, of the Lord. It becomes your testimony, the word of your testimony. He's my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And also, if you look at verse 14 and 15 of the same psalm. Because he has set his love upon me. You put your trust in God. You set just love your him. love on Him. Okay, You love Him. Because you can trust somebody without loving. A lot of people in life you find, ah, you trust them because of their habits. He says, yes, it is, yes. He says, no, it is, no. So you trust that person. But that doesn't mean you love that person. Okay, So you can love some people, but you can't trust them. <laughs> like children in the family, we love them. But can you trust them to do what you tell them to do? No, you cannot trust them. Well, Jacob had 12 sons. You could trust one. Okay, you could trust one. You couldn't trust the other ten. Okay, you couldn't know what they were up to. So you here, he trusts, and he loves God. Okay, it's it's a very powerful combination. You trust God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. You love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Therefore, I will deliver him. Okay, and I will set him on high because he has known my name. That's another thing. He has known my name. Okay. Now you need to understand in the Hebrew culture, in the Judaic culture, the name defines who you are. That's who you are. That's why God doesn't have one particular name. He has many names, and from those names, are basically tell who He is, what is His character, and Scripture says, because He has known my name he has understood who i am it's not that we know god's name we know jesus christ's name as in nomenclature but we don't know him really in this case he says he has known my name and that is why because of his knowledge of god we will see david is able to spring out of every situation Mm. he's got a very close personal intimate knowledge of god and that knowledge of god always works him. okay like if you if you have knowledge you can survive even in a desert Mm. and most people will die in a desert Mm. you can survive in a desert if you have knowledge how to live in a desert yes okay so that's his this thing the most extreme situations this man has gone through if you look at his entire life extreme situations Mm. he has gone in but he always comes through it and if you look at the crux of the matter He's come through because he has known God. He has understood his nature. That's what he says. He has known my name. Mm -hmm. It's not that he knows one name of God and he calls upon the name. No, he has known my name. Okay, It's not that he knows my name. He has known my name. He understands my character. He knows who I am. And that's what? That is his shadow. And this was Jesus' cry over in Matthew 23, 37. Jesus cry over Israel because he had walked with them for three and a half years. He had shown them. But they, O oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under a wing, but you were not willing. Okay, and that's what you know the first sign of danger when shadow flits around on the sky, the mother makes a son, many little chicks run and she covers them. Hmm. and she covers them okay she covers them and that's what he was talking about i wanted to cover you. i wanted you to dwell under the shadow of my wings and every prophet and every person i sent to you was to give you the knowledge of me so that you would have an intimacy with me live with me and learn to stay under my shadow so there is something which we know about the nature of god and from that nature of god we also practice, we have that secret place with God. God talks about that prayer closet, which is a secret place. Mm -hmm. God talks about a fasting life, which is a secret place. And God talks about a giving life, which is a secret place. And when you put it all together, that becomes your secret space with God. And you experience the intimacy of God. And then it does not matter where you are. Like Mm. Paul, like Moses, it does not matter where you are. You know you are secure because He is there with you. I think that was a big answer for a small question. Amen. <laughs> but, but it was an important question. Tracy, I hope honey, you understood the answer. Because the shadow of his hands, it's not talking about the anointing. It is talking about living in his presence. In his presence, there is always the anointing. Okay. Yeah. Hallelujah.
1: Yeah. Question number seven will say, what are the things which is from above? And what is meant, what is the meaning of right hand? Why do we say Only right hand all
0: the time. Okay, this primarily comes from Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three. If then you were raised with Christ, was one and two. Okay, that's where it begins. If you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. There are two concepts here. One, we are living on earth. Yet we are seated with Christ. As Ephesians 2, 6. We yes. are seated with Christ. Okay? So God says, Paul says through the Holy Spirit, if you are raised up. If you are raised up. But Right now we are all seated here, mm. <laughs> but that is a physical reality. Mm. The other is the spiritual, spiritual reality. Realities. The spiritual reality, if you live in your spiritual reality, then you will be thinking on those things which are true there and not true here. Though you look, sit here, you, s- basically it says you see things in heaven's perspective. Your priorities change. Mm. Why don't people spend time in prayer? It's because they don't see from that perspective. Why don't people's prayer life change? Not spending time in prayer. The nature of their prayer life change because they're seeing from down up and not from up down. If Jesus was seeing from up down, so his prayer was, my father who art in heaven, your name, your kingdom, your will. Your will. And then, today's you will take care of. I'm not worrying about tomorrow at all. Today is taken care of. And then, lead me not into temptation. Because temptation is what the devil does to induce you to sin. So if you can stop it in the beginning, you can uh, save a lot of trouble. So Lord, lead me not in Don't even allow temptation to come my way. As simple. For, for, forget about all the other things. Start in the straight. No? Prevention is better than cure. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, lead me. Deliver me from the power of the evil one. Thine is the kingdom of the power. So if you look at his prayer... His prayer is looking down on earth and seeing earth from heaven's viewpoint. Yes, yes. He's singing on things that are above. Amen. Okay, so in everything that you go through in a personal life, no, you go through in a personal life, in a day-to-day life, if our ears and our minds are tuned on to God, then everything will be tuned on to things that are above. To eat or not to eat. I mean, we are not talking about eating or not eating. We are talking about whether to eat or to fast. What to pray for. What to give and what not to give. Whom to give and whom not to give. <laughs> By giving, is it a help or not? That's why I always bring these little, little things over there and tell it is not good. It is not good because you are not helping people. You are not helping people. When somebody needs one, if you give five, the person is not being helped at all. You are not teaching them anything constantly. You have to be very careful about it because you want to give But God doesn't give like that. And when God gives like that, he will say, pick up the fragments. Mm -hmm. Because you will leave it there and go. You need to realize for you, okay, you didn't do anything about it. That does not mean it is free. It is free. He said, do you know why these five loaves multiplied into 5,000 people's food? It's because of his prayer life. Because of he pouring out his life early morning every day, in prayer on the altar and that day morning he has heard very clearly this is going to happen and you need to do it otherwise there would be no miracle for you it is free it has cost me my life on the prayer altar for this miracle to happen because that is where you hear that's why he says pick up the fragments pick up the fragments so we do not take anything granted in life anything granted in life so we have to understand these fundamentals we keep our mind on things that are above, Okay, then only we will be able to see life clearly. Amen. Therefore, we again, we talked about Philippians, Paul's entire letter written from prison, or most of his letters were written from prison. Why is he so cool? Why is he so cheerful? It's because he sees the perspective. He says, through it all, I know where I am. Not I will be. Hmm. I know where I am. Okay, Where I am, and I will be there one day physically also. I will be there, but right now I am there, mm. and this is a physical reality. There's a spiritual reality. I would rather choose to live in the spiritual reality because that is what is real. Mm. Now we'll go to First Corinthians chapter four. Not four, no. Yeah, four. Second Corinthians. The things that we see are uh, temporary. Uh, for
1: Second Corinthians, last uh, yeah, chapter second, four, last second, three. Yeah,
0: second Corinthians four, not the first Corinthians. Seventeen months. Got it? Yeah. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us. Now you cannot look at what Paul went through and call it a light affliction, unless your thoughts are on things that are above. <laughs> it's impossible to look <laughs> at what he went through from the day he got saved and got into ministry till his last day. What his entire life, saved life, he went through the ringer. God put him through the ringer. But he sees only it has light affliction. How can your affliction be light? Because you are seated above. Your thoughts are above. And he says it's just for a moment. How is it possible it can be a moment when you are looking for 30 or 40 or 50 years of life? It is because he is weighing his life on earth with eternity. And with eternity, it's just a moment. Okay. And then he says, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Mm-hmm. So the perspective is very clear: your eye are on the eyes are on the things that are above, and not on things which are below. The things that are below are temporary. they are transitory, transitory. But the things which are not seen are that's oh. the only way you can go through life as a believer has successful overcoming on a constant basis. You can keep your things on that are permanent, eternal that's primarily what it talks about things then when you focus like connecting first question with second question then if your mind is on god your love is stayed on him he is also able to change you internally to fit into that kingdom that is coming coming okay if your mind is on things above then he is also changing you inside because we are not going to live here permanently we are going to give like living here uh, Living here, no, like right now, in this modern century we are living in, we look at, oh, to make life comfortable. We need electricity, we need all the AC, we need all the gadgets, everything we talk about to make life comfortable. When you go to heaven, you will realize none of these things matter. Hmm. None of these things matter. Because it's a different life altogether with a different body. But what will make us comfortable? What will make us comfortable is the character of Christ. Mm. If that character, those are things that are above, those, that character has been built in us, mm-hmm. built in us, what will happen is we will fit in very well there. We will fit in. A lot of people will be misfits in heaven. I am telling you the truth. A lot of people will be misfits in heaven. They will struggle. They will struggle. They are saved because they believed, but they will really struggle over there because they, like the children of Israel who came out, Okay, they were struggling mm-hmm. in their walk with God because all they could think... Are they saved? Yes. Because they came through the blood. They have come through. But are they happy? They are not happy at all. They are miserable. <laughs> A lot of people are going to be... I am not saying that... I mean, if you look at the whole picture of it, they will have to, what you call, recondition themselves in heaven because they are never prepared for heaven. They are really never prepared for heaven because you know, that is why God allows... Us to lose certain things in life and how we react to it. When we lose those things, how do we react to it? Oh, okay. But Paul has lost everything and his reaction is one of joy. Because he says, you know, one thing you cannot take away from me. You cannot take away Christ from me. Amen. You cannot take away Christ. So you have to look at life that way, okay? Work towards it. These things don't happen in a day. We are all on that road, but be sure you're on the right road. Hallelujah. Not the broad road, where driving is easy. (laughs) And traffic is...
1: Next questions are all from Revelation. Okay. I think, I think it's from, by one person only. So, you can look no, back. no.
0: Question number one is different.
1: I don't know. Uh, questions two to five, I'm sorry. Yeah, two to two five. five. Okay. So, what is hidden mana? Revelation 2.17 explains, uh, please explain what
0: uh, you understand from okay. hidden mana. We will look at, <coughs> see, we go to the book of Revelation. Okay, book, the book of Revelation. This is the revelation that God gave his servant John. Okay. And it's interesting because John has this incredible encounter with Jesus, the post-resurrection, ascended Jesus, and it's a completely different picture. Okay, completely different picture. And I want people to see this picture, okay, because you have so many people talking about encountering Jesus and meeting Jesus. So let's go to chapter Mm (laughs) 1. Okay verse 10 onwards so we get this clear so that a lot of people because everybody youtube is like a uh, it's like open source all kind of people with dreams and visions and ascending descending all kind of things come over there but it is okay it's all all these things are there in the bible too but judge whatever you see with scripture that is your safety i was in the spirit on the lord's day okay so he was in the spirit he has worshipped okay now this is worship team is there Worship is a thing that you begin from the flesh, because we all come in the body for practice, to church. You cut through the flesh into the soul, then you cut through the soul into the spirit. When you reach the spirit, you will hear him speak. Until then, you do not hear him speak. A lot of people do not hear God speak because they haven't practiced the art of entering into the Mm. spirit. That is where he speaks. He is spirit. Mm. He is spirit. And often the struggle with us in entering into the spirit part of worship is because we struggle with truth. Truth is something you deal with in your soul. Mm-hmm. Truth is something which you, de- if you deal with truth in your soul and allow your ob- body to obey that truth, it is easier to enter in worship into the spirit. Okay, simple fundamentals. Then, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the First and the Last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Myrna, Pagamas, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. It's written to seven churches which are then, but it is also talking to all time. All time. The seven churches represents what God is looking or what the correction that God brings. It's a total experience, if you want to put, of an individual believer. Okay, what you could go through, what you can go through, and what you should go through, and some things you should not experience. Okay? Let's go to verse 12. I turned, then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Okay? This represents the church. Okay? And the light there. In the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the son of man, clothed with a garment to the feet, girded about the chest with a golden band. Okay? His head and hair were white like wool as white as no I like I don't die okay mm-hmm. and his eyes were like <laughs> flame of fire his feet were like fine brass as refined in a furnace feet always represents judgment okay his feet were like fine brass his eyes were like fire he sees through everything hmm. okay and his voice as the sound of many Waters. yeah, Verse 16. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he played his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid, I am first and last. For me, this is the authentic picture of somebody taken in the spirit to heaven, and having a revelation of what Jesus is like and the, and the resultant response. This is the authentic picture. So whenever people talk about going to heaven and seeing Jesus, I compare that with this. It is always good to know your portion so that you don't run away with what they heard and oh, he went to heaven and he heard this and God spoke, told him all that. All that is fine. But compare one with other. Did Jesus what? Did Jesus appear something like this? Was this man's response like this or was he sitting and having coffee with Jesus? What kind of stories you hear? Okay, so look at scripture with scripture so that we have, we have, uh, what we call, we, we know we are standing on the word of God. Like we, like we say, we live or die by the word. Okay, live or die by the word. The word is our ultimate and Paul Peter will say we saw him, we heard the voice, everything, but we have this sure word of prophecy. More than all that we have experienced, ultimately we have the Word of God, and we will stand on it, and you stand on it. Okay, he's not saying that you should listen to me. Okay, because I went to heaven, I've seen Jesus, I touched him, I heard the voice of God. He all that is fine, but stand on the written Word of God. That's your, that is what that is your strength. So compared with that, when you come to these letters, Jesus is writing. Okay, in each of these letters. There is what is called an exhortation to overcome <coughs> each of these letters letters chapter two you will tell you will see that okay he says um, chapter first one yeah first uh, verse seven he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Hmm. Okay, That is where it begins. Because when God tells you to do something, he also motivates you. Hmm. Motivates you. And some of his motivations are powerful. Now, before I get into the seven motivations or rewards that are promised, let me tell you. Go to Revelation 21 and verse 7. All things. 21, and verse 7. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Mm -hmm. So this is the eighth one that is mentioned, he who overcome. There are seven written to seven churches, and the eighth one actually is summing it up all. So my perception is this. He is not offering each church a crown for a particular deed. He's actually combining all seven and says all overcomers who reach heaven who have overcome in all the areas, mm-hmm. and they will get all seven. Amen. And mm-hmm. they will inherit all. Otherwise, you can look at uh, just uh, the first church in Ephesus and says, you know what, I just want that. That's not that's not what is it is. The overcomer will have all those seven qualities, mm-hmm. and they will. And if you actually study it carefully, you will see it seems like that. It looks like that, okay. So let's look at the first one. Let us go in the order. Okay. The first one is mentioned is verse seven. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Okay. Now we are having a revelation Bible study. Mm. To him who overcomes, okay. What is that you have, you are called to overcome here is your love for Christ. Mm. Okay. You've got everything on the works front, you seem to be pretty good. You're pretty good. God is very happy with your work life, but he's not happy with your personal relationship with God. So God is giving us, okay? He says, when you reach over there, you will see all the overcomers. Not only they had fantastic works, they really loved God with all their heart. Okay, so don't skip Ephesus and go to the next church and says, you know what, I I can't love God that way, so I will try the second church. <laughs> it doesn't work like that, okay? So God is, you have to look at the full picture. You have to look at the full picture. So here you know where they are weak, and God says, look at that and strengthen yourself in that area. But what is promised over there? He says, I will give to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise let's get into that now so that we will understand go to genesis chapter 3 and there was a tree of life and god does something Hmm? Verse 22 to 24 what does god do then the lord said behold the man has become like one of us to know good and evil now let us lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life eat and live for ever Therefore the Lord sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man. He placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the Tree of Life. Mm. Now the Tree of Life is guarded. Tree of Life is guarded. Now if you look at it in the New Covenant, Jesus comes and says, I am the life. Okay, I am the life. So we suddenly understand the tree of life now in the new covenant is jesus himself he is the life and we have access to him we have access to his life amen we have access to his life okay his life by faith we can live his life the only problem is hebrews 4:12 this is the problem Okay, we have to go through that sword. Mm -hmm. You want to access that life, you have to allow the sword of the spirit to cut you through. The word of God is living and powerful. When does the word of God become living and powerful? It's when the spirit comes upon it, the sword of the spirit. The word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, is also a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. If you can allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God to work in you. But usually most people, I'm telling you honestly, there will be very few overcomers in the, in the Kingdom of God. Because they won't allow the sword. They get offended very fast. They get offended very fast. You correct them, they get offended. Okay. You get it. So you have to first go through the mountain of offense. Hmm. Offense is a mountain. It's one of the biggest mountains believers face. Unbelievers face struggle with unbelief. Hmm. But one of the biggest, when you are looking into the tree of life, if you are going to practice the tree of life, the access to the tree of life, which is the life of Jesus Christ, you have to go over offense. You have to go over offense. Hmm. Okay. Because that's why Jesus said, you know, the, 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 the other blessing he pronounces, blessed is he who is not offended because of of me. Okay, when he's talking about him, what is he talking about? He's talking about Correction, that comes from any way. Immediately, people get offended. You know, people will not take correction. But yet, correction is the way we access into God. And so Paul says, as David says in Psalm 119, 71, 71, right? 71, right? yes. Yeah, he says, I was afflicted. Why, why, is he afflicted? why was he afflicted? It's because God punished him. God disciplined him. God corrected him. And he says, this is good for me to have afflicted, because I learned your ways, your style. I understood your study. It was good for me that I have been afflicted. But do you think only David was afflicted? No, Saul also was afflicted. He learned nothing. He learned nothing. He learned why? Because he was offended. He was offended. Okay, so God could spank two people the same way. One understands God and becomes better. The other gets bitter. You know why? Because one is offended. Naomi is offended by the famine that took her husband. Ruth has become humbled by the famine that took her husband. Hmm. Both are widows. One is faith. it says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. But the other one is the one God is able to redeem her. God is not able to redeem Naomi. God is able to redeem Ruth. And you need to realize, a lot of people have to go through this sword. All of us have to go through this sword. If you don't go through this sword... We do not have access to the tree of life. Now let me put you another perspective of what God is talking about over there, verse 7 of Revelation chapter 2. Let him hear, let he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. I will give him access to that tree. Tell you, you know what happens? There are two sides to it. This is connecting with the previous question. There are two sides to it. Even as you partake of that life as you are going through now. Okay? What is life? This is eternal life that you know God. As you partake of this life, as you allow the sword of the spirit to cut through, cut off offense, cut off pride. Offense and pride goes together. Mm, You need to realize, okay, offense and pride goes together. A humble man is not offended. Simple ways is to get up in the morning and reckon in your baptism, I am dead. Dead dogs don't bite. Okay. Reckon yourself dead is the KJV version in Romans chapter says. Consider yourself dead. Dead what? Dead in your baptism. The old man is dead. The new man is not offended. The old man is offended. The old man is birthed in pride and conceived in offense. Sin iniquity. Okay? New man is completely dead to that because the flesh is dead. So you have to every day kill your flesh, die to your flesh. Then you will be able to hear what God is trying to say even through a donkey. Because <laughs> God. God speaks all the time, okay? God, I mean, God speaks through a donkey to Balaam heard, but he did not see. The donkey was smart, the prophet was full. Okay, the rooster spoke. God can speak through any person, any man he's trying to. Like you may be driving on the wrong side of the road and somebody brushes you and he shouts at you and you get offended. But God says, stop, I'm trying to tell you something. I'm trying to tell you something. This is not the way to drive. You're on the wrong side. You're overtaking from the left. You're on the wrong side. And what is justification? Everybody is overtaking from the left. But God said, you are not everybody. You're not everybody. Who is driving? You or me? Uh, <laughs> Lord, you. <laughs> Whose life are you living? Do you think I would overtake from the left? Uh, no, Lord. Okay, good. So you got a correction from that man who doesn't know me. He shouted at you. He called you nice two choice names in Hindi and Urdu also. <laughs> that was a lesson to you. So don't get offended. Don't get offended. Don't get angry. That is what I am talking about. If you deal with pride and offense, suddenly you will realize the world is full of teachers. Hallelujah. <laughs> full of teachers who will teach you how to drive. <laughs> okay, because it's got to do, what is the, we'll always say, what is this song Think about how to drive? It's got to do with law and Order. Order. (laughs) You're establishing order in your life. It's not got to do with the roads and the traffic and all. You're getting order into your life. Law and order into this goes together. You're establishing God's order into your life. That's what God is talking about. I will give. So what happens is that on earth, because you are eating of this tree, you're allowing the saw to cut and you're partaking of Jesus' life, Jesus said, don't store treasures on earth mm. what do you do you tr- store treasures in, in heaven suddenly in the minute you are translated you realize you almost have come to the fullness of christ there why because you're partaking of his life here mm. that is what he's talking about okay actually what happens is the overcomers they won't need to eat much from that tree because they have become that life mm. So you have to look at it two dimensions. He says, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Mm -hmm. But what is that tree of life? It is Jesus Christ. Do you think you really need a fruit over there? It's the life of Jesus Christ. You partook of it there and you realize, I have come there and I have that life. Okay? The others will take a millennium to reach there in eternity. But you have already reached almost there, like Paul and all have already reached there when they are on earth. That is the first thing he's talking about, the first promise, okay. The second one you find it in Revelation 2.11. Okay, 2.11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be heard by the second death. Mm. He shall not be heard by the second death. Now let me talk, let me get over there to Revelation chapter uh, 19. Okay, Revelation chapter 19. This place I disagree with, uh, uh, sorry, nine, no, not nineteen twenty. I disagree with uh, many of the incredible holy men of God who have gone before me. And I, everybody is entitled to their opinion, so I am entitled to my opinion. I can choose to differ with them. Verse 11 onwards. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. Books were opened, another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, the dead and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, they were judged, each one according to his works. And the death and hates were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Mm. So my question is this, because all of them almost agree, this is talking about the unsaved. But if it is talking about the unsaved, why does the book of life have to be there? They are not saved anyway. Why do you have to look for their names in the book of life? So it is not just the unsaved words standing over there. There are also saved standing over there. Okay, so there is a judgment and their works are being judged. So the, I don't know which category of saved people are standing over here, but let us go to Corinthians, no? Yes. Second Corinthians. Okay, again, the Bible. We'll compare Bible with the word Scripture with Scripture. Let's not go into anywhere else because Scripture is our bulwark. Uh, where is that uh, where foundation? Uh, That's first, cor- first, first cor- Corinthians chapter three. Yeah, first Ch- Corinthians Ch- chapter three. three. I bring this new Bible. I struggle. Chapter three. Okay, chapter three. Mm. Verse eleven onwards. Mm. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that is which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Everybody is saved by grace through faith, so no man will boast. That is the foundation. Salvation is by grace and grace alone. The work of Jesus Christ. His life, his death, his resurrection. After that, we start building by grace. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, haystrow, Pastor Vijay has preached on it so many times. Each one's work will become clear for the day will declare. This is a day of judgment. That day will declare the nature of your work because it will be revealed by fire. Okay, So, fire is what is going to reveal our work. And fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a Revolve. reward. But, verse 15, if anyone's work is burned, so its possibility is always there open. You could end up in heaven and all your work is burnt on that day because fire is testing it. He will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So, when you look <laughs> at... Revelation chapter two and verse eleven. What is what is Jesus talking about there in two eleven?
1: He'll be spared from the second yeah. death.
0: Yeah. He who has near. ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. What is what is the second death in the context of overcomers? Your works will follow you. Mm. Your 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 works won't be burnt away. Mm. Not be hot, yes. Your works won't be caught away. Mm. Your works will be sustained mm. and therefore you will receive your reward. Second death has two parts to it. First thing, your works are judged. Second thing, your name is checked. Okay? So let us look at the second death, which is fire. Your name is not there. Boom. Now, the judgment of your works is to see what is the level of your punishment, what degree temperature you should go into eternity. That is how the fire second level of uh, judgment, your name is there now, put his works through the fire to see how much comes out, okay, because what is common all over is the fire is what is common, fire is what is common, so your name is there, so you are spared from the fire. Hmm. Judgment fire. But your works has to go through <laughs> fire. And if your works will come through fire, you receive a reward. reward. If it doesn't come through reward, you just escape. Just coming through the, what fire. does the Bible say? Coming through the fire, fire through the flames. That is what it's talking about here. If anyone's here, he will suffer yet so as through fire he will come through. So Revelation 2.11 is actually talking about what happens. He will not be heard by the... He was. If you listen, okay, to the second church, Revelation chapter two, that is uh, Smyrna. Smyrna, okay, now Smyrna is the one which is going through the fire, literally mm-hmm. yes, going yes, through yes. the fire. They are going through the ringer, unbelievable persecution. They are going through; they are in prison. But to that church, God says, "I know your works. I know everything. Don't fear everything." But He says, "Be faithful until death." You are in this labor camp in China. Or oh, you are in the labor camp in North Korea, whatever. Don't give up. Mm. Don't give up. They will put pressure on you. Recant, recant, recant. Come, believe in C, believe in the Communist Party. Why do you have to go through this? We'll give you a good position. Weren't you a smart fellow? Didn't you study in this university? Weren't you part of the Communist Party? And then why did you believe in this strange thing and lose everything? You don't have to go through all this. Come on, come on. But he says, you know what? Be faithful unto death. Unto death. Be faithful unto death. Okay? Unto death. Don't compromise. Be faithful unto death. And your works, all that you have done will follow you. Think about a situation, uh, situation of a person who cannot handle it anymore and he says, okay, okay. Okay, fine. Okay, I believe in communist ideology also, and C is the chairman. I believe he's released, and he's crying out to the Lord. I couldn't handle it anymore, Lord. Have mercy on me. I do believe in you, but I can't handle it. He still makes it to heaven, but But all his work will go. Everything is gone. All that he suffered, everything is gone. Boom, it is gone. But all he has left is that foundation. All he has is that foundation. That's what God is talking about. Okay, so if you look at it all, everything is connected. It's not individual cases. The third one. 17. That is 2.17. 17, 17. He who has a ear, it's a good Bible study on the book of Revelation, okay? Mm. Word seventy. He who has a ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. I will give him a white stone. And on the stone, a new name written which no one knows except him who receives, okay? Now he's talking about, I will give him some hidden manna to eat. Now we know manna in the Bible represents bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread that came from heaven. Hmm. Okay? So he says to this church, if you overcome, you will have a hidden manna. Hmm. You will have a secret life with me, which nobody knows. You'll have a secret Joseph had a life with God nobody knows. No, if it is not written in scripture, nobody will ever know that, that God was with him. God was with him. He, everybody only looks at his prosperity, but God has, nobody sees the hidden life. The hidden life is that he is with God and God is with him. That's what God is talking about. Because bread represents life. He says, I am the bread that came from and I will give you what? That hidden manna. Where, now you talk, talk about, think about it. Where is the only place where the manna is hidden in the new, old covenant? The ark of the in the ark of the covenant. That's so the only place where it is. And it never goes bad. Mm-hmm. It never goes bad. And it is kept in a golden vessel. Because golden. So he says, you know what? Your life has become pure. Pure, mm-hmm. yes. That's true. Pure. And my life is hidden in you. It will never rot. Mm. It will never rot. It will be eternal. It will always be fresh. You, it will never go. All the others, if you kept it for more than one day, yes. it went bad. This is the only one which does not go bad. So he is giving something, an incredible promise to this church and to every overcomer. If you have a hidden life with me, I will have a hidden life with you. And my life in you that comes out of that intimacy will never rot. It will be always fresh. Meaning he's, basically what he's saying is that you can go through life and you will always have something fresh to give to the world, which is my life. Yes. Okay, so you will see through Jesus entire life, he could always bring something which is new or something that is fresh, fresh. from the oven. Fresh bread and yesterday's bread is always different, okay. <laughs> you will always have something of God that come out because that's, that is incorruptible, incorruptible life that will come. That's what it's talking about. And the second thing which it says is that? A stone. Yeah. I will give you a white stone. In those, in those days, you know, for a centuries, that is what happened when you are in a court, whether before you are you are declared guilty or not guilty, it depends upon the stone you get. You mm-hmm. are given a white stone, which de- depicts you are not guilty, or a black stone, which means you are guilty, and after that the verdict is. So here he says, I will give him a stone. I'll give him a stone, a white stone. That is what he says, I'll give him a white stone. Basically what is God talking about? What does the word white stone mean? you will be always walking without condemnation. Nice. Not built. And that's one of the most important things for peace. No condemnation. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm. Let's have that verse over there. AK-8-1. Not NIV which swallows, but <laughs> KJV or NKJV. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. That's a secret life. That's a hidden manna. Because they have that hidden manna, they also have no condemnation. They are free from condemnation, free from guilt. They live a guilt-free, condemnation- free life. Yes. And then he says, "On that stone, what will I do? I will I'll write, write a, a new name. I will write a new name. name. We always know what it means. A new name in the Bible defines who you are. Okay, who you are. Parents gave names, but God gives names. When God gives a name, it represents who you are. Abraham became Abraham. Abraham was what his father called him. Abraham was what his heavenly father called him. <laughs> Sarai was what her father called. Sarah was what God called. So there is, Yaqub was what is Isaac and Rebekah named the son. But Israel is what God named. So God says, I will give you a name. That will become your identity. Amen. When God gives a name, you don't know what it is. No one knows except Him who receives it. Why? How can nobody know it? Meaning it doesn't, it does not mean nobody will know your name that day. But nobody will understand that name. Why? Your name which God gives to you on that day is directly connected with the hidden life you had with God. So only God will understand why He gave you that name. Mm -hmm. People won't understand. People, don't. I mean, if uh, Genesis, uh, if I'm right, thirty-five, right? Thirty-five is not uh, recorded. How will Israel know 32. Which, uh, the? God, Peniel, Peniel, Peniel. Yes. If Jacob did not, if that's not recorded, Jacob's wrestling with God. How will we understand why he's called Israel? Why is this nation called Israel? Mm-hmm. It's only because it is revealed we know. But if it is not revealed, actually, what happened there between Jacob and God? is a hidden thing. Mm. Nobody is there. Nobody in his family is there. He has left everybody, cross the river. He is contending with God alone, like a person who is contending with God in his prayer closet. He is with God alone. And if 500 years later, if Moses is not given that revelation in a vision on the top of the mountain, nobody, nobody would will know, know yes. that something like this happened. Okay, wow. So it is because only because of the revelation we understand, oh, that is how Jacob became Israel. The okay. same way God says, I will give you a name. Nobody will know it. Hmm. Why, why did he get a name like that? Hmm. Nobody will know it. But except him who receives it, he will know. Okay, this was my hidden life. This was my hidden life with God and God has rewarded that hidden life and given me a name. Mm, yeah. The next one is? Oh, sorry. sorry. That's okay. Mm. The, uh, question number four. Yeah, Fortu. same one. Yeah, we'll go through We'll yes. go through it. Okay. Since we started, why should we stop? Right? 228. 228. Hmm? 262728. Okay. He who overcomes and keeps my works, Until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel. And as I also received from my father, I will give him the morning star. He was an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit says. Okay, so now let us come to that one. What is God talking about over there? He says, he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, I will give him power over the nation. This is talking about the millennial rule, where he will rule with a rod of iron. Okay? Basically, he is saying this. Before you can qualify to rule over the pagans with a rod of iron in the millennial rule, you should have exercised the same rod of iron of discipline upon your own soul here. hmm Okay, on your flesh, okay, Peter, which is that three one right yes first for, for Peter chapter four one, yeah four one, first peter four one, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he should no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. So you use the iron rod of discipline on your own flesh first, because only such a man is qualified to rule over flesh. Oh, huh. Are you getting it? That's what he's talking mm-hmm. about. Can you be qualified to rule over flesh? If you are flesh, they are flesh. How do you rule over them? You will go with them. <laughs> that was the problem with Saul. They said, give us a king just like the other nations. All the kings of other nations was flesh. God said, give it to them. Who did he give? It was flesh. And flesh was anointed. Every time he goes down the road, what does he say? The people flesh made me do it that's what is the answer flesh made me do it the flesh made me do it flesh made me do it he's going down the path of flesh how can he rule over the spirit in the spirit realm he cannot rule that's what god is talking about there he says if you have exercised the rod of iron in your life consistently and come to that point where you end up overcoming your flesh then you can come with me in the millennium reign. I don't think everybody will come down with him for the millennium really. I don't know whether we'll be there in the millennium reign. Okay, we'll be sitting there waiting for thousand years to pass before we can start eternity. Because to rule, he says this is the key. I will give you, he shall rule them with a the rod of iron. Because that's how Jesus is going to rule from Jerusalem, with the rod of iron. Okay, they'll be tough. Who can be tough on the flesh? Only those who were tough on the flesh tough on the flesh Um, that does not mean you are unloving Yeah. Okay. you are kind you are loving but very tough on flesh look at Joseph sitting on the throne when his brothers come on he is unbelievably tough on flesh but very kind, very loving tough on flesh, you know why? for 13 years he was extremely tough on flesh for 13 years he was so tough on his own flesh therefore when he is seated on the throne he is tough on all flesh Yet he's very kind to them. Okay, kind to them. To see that they come to the end of flesh. Okay? That is what God is talking about. As I also received from my father. father okay? He said, I also received, basically he's saying, I also received oh, the tough discipline from my father until my obedience was perfect. Until the then, flesh. God was very careful mm. about His name. Mm. Until my obedience was perfect, He did not even reveal me to the world. Because He didn't want me to make a boo-boo about His name. So He stuff on me for 30 years, made me absolutely dead to the flesh, then revealed me to this, this thing. And I will give Him the morning star, mm. okay? Morning star. Oh, I didn't, yeah. Morning star, okay? Uh, Second Peter 1.19. So also we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. The morning star is another name for Jesus. Mm. Okay. Now look at it, you will understand what he's saying, saying, I will give him the morning star. Yeah, okay, go back to First Peter yeah. because it's a it is a difficult passage. So also we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed. There's a difference between the written word and the living word. The living word is a prophetic word, meaning when somebody is preaching or whatever, God's Spirit speaks to you. And that is the most difficult word to receive. Most difficult word to receive because it cuts you. It cuts you. It cuts your flesh. It cuts your self-life. It cuts your pride. It cuts you through. He says, if you heed to that prophetic word, what happens is and obey. The life of Christ is rising in you. And one day you will realize the morning star has risen in your hearts. Mm. The life of Christ has replaced your life. And that day when you are revealed, people will look and say, Oh my gosh, he shines almost as much as Jesus. His life. That's why Paul is able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Can imitate me you are imitating me, you are imitating Christ, because I have no life apart from him. He didn't say in the beginning. This is the process through which he went. That's why God puts him as an example over there. He's saying, if you look at Paul, you can say, the morning star has risen in his heart. Morning star has risen in his heart. So all these promises are connected. They are not separate, actually. They are all connected. If you understand the spiritual meaning and the depth of it, you will realize that you cannot have one without the other. They're all connected. Okay. So that's the promise given. The morning star. star. Mm. And I will give you the morning star. He who has to hear and everywhere, what is that one common phrase? Yes. Let him hear what the spirit has to say. These are not from the written or the preaching word. It is the spirit who has to speak through you through the written or the spoken word. You have to be very, very tuned to the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Listen to him. Obey him. Don't walk in pride don't walk in laziness don't walk in sloth don't walk in offense listen to him and obey he will speak to you because he is very interested in your reward he is your coach the coach is very interested in the player's reward mm-hmm. because he knows that is his success i have been a successful coach okay so <clears throat> the next one Twelve. Twelve. yeah next one is 312 3 12 okay chapter 3 verse 12 he who overcomes i will make him a pillar in the temple of my god and he shall go out he shall go out no more and i will write on him the name of my god the name of the city of my god new jerusalem which comes down out of the heaven from my god and i will write on him my new name okay the first thing that is mentioned over there is that he who overcomes uh, that is,
2: that is five?
0: Uh, this is then, it's uh, Oh no, no, it's before that. Before that. We Philip, missed one. We yes, missed yes, yes, sorry. Yeah. Uh, this is... Verse four, four. Three, four, three, four, three, four. That's what I thought. Oh, sorry, I just was going. Yeah, to three, four. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He was a here. So the first thing which he talks about is garments, okay? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27 onwards. You know, sadly, sisters don't like this chapter at all, but it's a very glorious chapter if you t- talk about submitting to your husband. It's a very edifying chapter. <laughs> that he might present to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy without blemish mm-hmm. so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself okay let's um, let's go higher up before that 26 go to yeah okay that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present him to himself, okay. So God is talking about, would you allow the word to sanctify you? Okay, sanctify you. In so many ways, in a, in a believing family, in so many ways, it is the husband who sanctifies the wife. Sanctifies the wives. And if you actually notice in the more modern world, the woman will take correction from anybody except her husband. Hmm. and without realizing it you are stuck there stuck there you are stuck there and uh, which is true which is true and why has God put it that way who knows you best your husband (laughs) who knows you best your wife Mm -hmm. because they see your wrinkles because the husband sees the wife without makeup you are putting a western concept he sees you without makeup. That's what it says. That he may present you without spot or wrinkle. The husband sees all the spots. Hmm. Okay, but when the makeup is put and you go out, nobody sees your spots and wrinkles. But your spots and wrinkles are visible to one person in your life. That is your spouse. And God says, will you listen to that? Will you not get offended? And when he's saying something, or when she's saying something, will you receive it? will you receive it? that's why the, the, before you come to verse 25 um, submit, one to, submit to one another what is it submit no? the wife can be the source who is able to show your spot your wrinkle the husband is the source which God submitted to one another in the fear of God. of God okay in the fear of God so though it is more given to the woman than to the man because in God's order man hears from God man hears from God That's the way. Men should hear from God. If you don't hear from God, you need a spanking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, You need a spanking. That means you're not spending time in the word or in your play closet. Mm -hmm. Because when God speaks to man, first he doesn't speak to him about his family. He speaks to him about himself. Okay. So God shows the man his spot, his wrinkle, his blemish, everything. So now that he has seen the mirror, his own face very clearly and got rid of it, he's able to see his spouse. And then when he is speaking to his spouse, he is speaking or he should speak with the same attitude how God spoke to him. He is passing it on. Okay, I see this thing. Put it right. Put it right. It's not right. It's not right. It's not right. It's not right. This is good. This is not good. That's what it's talking about. The white garments it is talking about. Okay, the white garments. And in Revelation chapter 19 verse 8. Okay, Revelation chapter 19 verse 8. Scripture says about the church right it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen clean, clean and, and bright, bright oh, fine linen is the righteous acts <laughs> of the saints mm-hmm. okay so suddenly there are two things about acts when we are thinking about acts we only think about social work we're not talking about that there are two sides of righteous acts when i hear from the lord put this right and i Do it. Do it. Mm. It's a righteous act. Amen. Amen. It's a righteous act. It's an act of righteousness. Because righteousness has to be worked out. Do it. Do it. Okay? And you obey it. It becomes a righteous act. Okay? Then God says, do it, which helps somebody. That also is a righteous act. Both has to be there. A righteous act you do to yourself and a righteous act you do to somebody else. Then when eternity opens, you realize the bride has made her dress. Bridal dress is ready. You are dressed in white, clean and bright. She is arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. And the sum total of all the people who prepared themselves and did this becomes the bride of Christ. Okay, so that's what he's telling to the church in Sardis. They have not defiled their garments, okay. They shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. Okay, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments and I will not blot his name from the book of life. That is an issue which uh, Calvinists and all the others have a major issue. I don't have any issues with that verse. Exodus 32 verses 32, 33. If you stick to the word of God and don't bring any man's peculiar doctrine, you don't have to worry about. Yet now if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. This is a, this is a concept, a presumption. I'm putting it across in the public platform. The presumption is that when everybody is born, their names are written in the book of life. Then you blot it out yourself by your sin. Either the sin of unbelief, the sin of belief, the belief and then going into sin and not coming back. You blot it out. Causes God to blot it out. Everybody when he is born, his name is written. His name is written. God's not a respectful person. God wants everybody to be saved. So, technically speaking, everybody's name. As soon as a baby is born, the name is written. And the baby has to make the choices as he grows up. Hmm. So God, what takes your name off the book? It's your sin. That's what God says in verse 33. Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. That is why we preach against sin so much. We don't believe in one saved, always saved. Because if it is once saved, always saved, your name cannot be blotted out. Hmm. How do you blot out your name? Okay, so 600,000 men were brought out of Egypt. All of them died in the desert. But all of their names were not blotted yes, from the book. Yes, yes. But many of their names were blotted from yes. the book. Those who sinned against him and they died in a plague, they died in Korah, no, so many died because of God's judgment. All their names were blotted out. But that does not mean everybody's name was blotted out, no. Then Moses' name should be blotted out, no. Aaron's name should be blotted out, no. Their names are not blotted out, they are all there because they are repented. <coughs> So please understand where we come with this, okay. You can be absolutely secure in the, your salvation as long as you, let's go to that also. Romans chapter 11 and verse 22. Okay. Old Testament and New Testament. Therefore consider the goodness and the severity of God. On those who fell, severity. What was that severity? It blotted their name out. Towards you, goodness. If you continue continue in His goodness, Otherwise you also will be cut off, cut off. That's what he's talking about. Here. Okay, so he says continue, 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 until you got your end. Jayakumar <laughs> is the one who said many people when you reach home, they will say they had enough clothing only for a beginning.
1: Instead of he said
0: most people did not even have enough clothes to with <laughs> their nakedness because they never were walking on the bridal gown okay so that's what is talking <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, that
1: too. laughs> only he can say that <laughs> only he, <laughs> he can, can with a straight face with <laughs> <laughs> a straight face no you but nothing else with the straight face he gets oh my
0: god okay so that's where that is the fifth one yes, right no. sixth one is let's 12. do the sixth one. Sixth 12. one is chapter 312
1: 312. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's there, first
0: so. 3. Okay. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. Hmm. Okay. The first thing he says. Okay. This has to go to do with here before you become there. On earth... You come to that point, you are immovable, you are unshakable from your faith and your values, unshakable, immovable. Mm. That's what God to say. You have come to that point. point; nothing can shake you. It's like the three friends of Daniel: mm. Shadrach, Meshach, and yes. Abednego. God wants to save us; He can save us. But doesn't want to save us. But one thing: we are unshakable mm. in this. Our commitment. We will die. Daniel, I will not stop. No addict will stop me from praying. Mm. If it is you're throwing to the line of, den of lines, I'm good, okay with it. But that's not going to stop me from praying. Yep. Okay? The law of the land, the law of the Lord. I'll always go with the law of the Lord. Amen. Yes. They have become unshakable, immovable. The enemy has stopped. Has no more power over them. Okay? You can do whatever you want to do to my body. But my soul will not submit. Submit to your edits. They have become immovable. They have become Unshakable in the things of God. Therefore, they also can take weight.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Remember, God puts his burden only according to what you can bear. Bear. Thirteen years in prison and in slavery, Joseph had become immovable and unshakable in the path of righteousness. Therefore, God put the entire burden of Egypt upon him entire burden of egypt upon so that he will rule in righteousness because he has become immovable and unshakable so god says you are like there suddenly up there you will realize you are one of the pillars of my society Mm. god is creating a new creation society over there you will be one of the pillars that's what he's talking about you will be one of the pillars and what is that you will be part of the temple Okay, that's what he's talking about there, right? Verse 12. Yes, yeah. yes. You will be, I will, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my city. He'll be part of my temple. Okay? And I will write the name of my God. Hmm. The name of the city of my God. The New Jerusalem. You become all that. Meaning, you become part of the bride. <laughs> You're guaranteed to be one of the 144,000. One forty-four. That is the prized possession in heaven to be part of one forty-four thousand. If it is not a symbolic number, if it is a symbolic number, Lord have mercy. Okay, okay, and I will write on him my new name. It's an incredible promise that is given. But what is the key? You have to be in, unshakable here, immovable. It's a process. It's a process. Okay, it begins with little things, like Daniel. It was on a very little thing on what to eat, what not to eat. On a Babylonian table. At the end it becomes, will you pray or stop praying for 30 days? Only 30 days. That's all, 30 days. Okay. Before that they checked him out whether he was immovable, unshakable in the things of the matter of the law of the land. Which tallied with the law of God. And they found his son. Unshakeable, immobile. Let's see if he's immobile, unshakeable with anything concerning his God, which does not apply to the law of the Gan. They found he is unshakeable in that mm. too. So he becomes a pillar. So you will see king after king after king after king coming and going in those 12 chapters. Daniel is constant. He stands before every king, because ultimately he stood only before one God. king. Yes. That was God. So that is the sixth one. And then the seventh one. 321. Yeah. 3? 321. 321. Yeah. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his yes. throne. This I would say, go to Romans chapter 5. This is how do you apply this on earth. Here it says... You have to overcome as I overcame. If you overcome as I overcame, then you will reign with me as I reign now. So, Romans chapter uh, 5, first verse 17, and then verse 21. 5, 21. If by one man's offense death reign through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Now, if you come to verse 21, so that sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is, he says, if you learn how to use my grace, abundance of grace in righteousness, If you learn how to learn to reign in righteousness through grace on earth, you will also reign with me in heaven. Mm. Okay, What is grace given for? Overcome overcome sin. sin, Overcome sin. And live in righteousness. It's not enough to overcome sin. That is one part. Other side is, that is a negative part. Fighting sin. The positive part is working out righteousness. righteousness. You need to have both. You overcome sin. Using grace, and you live out righteousness using grace. So you have learned to reign on earth. You have to learn, have learned to reign in life on earth. How did Jesus walk on earth? He reigned. Reigned, yes. Reigned over sin, and righteousness was flowing through him. He overcame sin and lived out righteousness. He says, "Just as I appropriated the grace of God, so how did I come full of grace and full of truth?" it's not that when he was born he was full of grace he was growing in grace as he kept growing he was growing in grace but how do you grow in grace because you grow in truth if you don't grow in truth you don't grow in grace you don't need it mm. okay let's put it example very simply very very simply if your monthly expenses is only 7000 rupees 7500 rupees is your monthly expenses do you need 10000 mm-hmm. no you don't need
2: 10000
0: and let us say 2021 your expenses went up to twelve thousand. How much do you need? Five thousand more. Five thousand more. Okay, are you getting it? Mm-hmm. Okay? You don't need more grace than the truth you have. A lot of people are very satisfied with the amount of truth, the grace they have, because they have not grown in truth. <laughs> <laughs> They've not grown in faith. Okay? jab. God gave a measure of faith, still running on that. God says that is not what it was meant to be. You are supposed to grow in truth. Suddenly as you grow in truth, you will realize, you know what? This grace is not enough. I need more grace. Hmm. I need more grace. Paul is doing everything and suddenly he has got this demonic, whatever it is, hanging on to him and never goes. He rebukes it, binds it, loses nothing is happening. Then ultimately (laughs) he goes and prays to God, Lord, please take it away. He says, no. Grace is sufficient. No, this, when it will go, it's not going. It will go when you die. <laughs> you mean this thing is going to hang on to me all my life? Yes. <laughs> not, how do I manage? He says, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to give you more grace for you. You're going to have extra measure of grace just to handle this alone. And that's what is God. So you are reigning all these negative things that happened in your life. All those terrible things that happened. You are Still overcoming sin, the negativity, mm-hmm. the, the shadow of sin, yep. you're conquering it and you're still working out righteousness. Mm. Righteousness. That is, that is Joseph. Okay? Mm. That's what I'm talking about. If you look at Joseph, because Joseph is given as a real vivid picture over there. Everybody in his life, actually, if you look at the people you know in his life, harmed him. His brothers harmed him, sold him. His father, for all sentimental man he was, he didn't even look for his. Okay, I, I saw his uh, clock with blood. I want his bones. I want to give him a decent burial. He was so worried about uh, Rachel's burial, and he was not concerned about his son's burial. He immediately went into depression, lying in his bed. He should have gotten and said, "Let's go. Where was it? Call the hundred servants. Let us go find out. I will to see that I give my son Where did you find his body? Where did you find this oh, clock? Okay, I want to give him a, nothing like that." So, in so many ways, his father also, because he was emotionally weak, abandoned him. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, look at American soldiers. Even till today, if they find one bone of an American soldier in Vietnam, he's brought in. He's given an absolute royal uh, burial. Somebody who died in Vietnam fifty, sixty years ago, the body will be brought. He has a full parade and this thing. And okay, and um, some of these uh, American veterans. Who die in the old age homes, and there was a veteran, I remember seeing it a few weeks, few months back, or some time back. He died, but he had no relatives, no non-relatives, no so he died. You know what happened? The old age home just put an ad in the paper saying, old veteran dying, burial is tomorrow, has no known relatives or friends. The entire town came and stood to salute that man. Bah. They did not know, because they knew he was a veteran. Bah, 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 bah. They came. Okay. And this is Joseph. Hmm. So if you look at him, he was betrayed by everybody his brothers, his family, his household, his master, his master's wife, everybody, even the two people who held they forgot him for three years. But if you look at him, how he reacts with everybody, it's kindness and it is compassion. Amen. It's allowing grace, hmm. loving grace to work out righteousness in his life. And he sees that everybody is Receives compassion and grace at his hands. That is what God is doing. You have to overcome as I overcame. And how did he overcome? By grace. By grace. That's what grace is given. What is the purpose of grace? That we reign in life through righteousness. Because the scepter of his kingdom is righteousness. Scepter. That's all you have to do. I'm dealing with this person. Is he righteous? He may be an unrighteous person. Okay? His brothers are unrighteous. So he doesn't talk to them. He doesn't talk to them because they are unrighteous. How do you talk to an unrighteous person? You cannot talk to an unrighteous person. But does he take care of them? He gives them more than enough and gives them money back. He takes very good care of them. He doesn't talk to them because you cannot fellowship with an unrighteous person, but you can be kind and compassionate to the unrighteous person so that the goodness of God will bring them to repentance. That's what the Bible is talking about. Okay, God is good to the righteous and to the unrighteous. So God says, are you good to the righteous and the unrighteous? You should be able to say yes. God Does God fellowship with the unrighteous? No, he doesn't. Mm -hmm. He doesn't fellowship with the unrighteous, but he's good to the unrighteous. Understand this distinction. Mm -hmm. Okay, God is good to the unrighteous, but he does not fellowship with the unrighteous. So when David, whenever he flipped over to the Philistine camp for 16 months, he was successful through that 16 months. Why? Because God was good to him. Did God talk to him? Mm-hmm. No. When did God talk to him? When he repented. Immediately God spoke to him. So God was good to David when he's unrighteous. But God doesn't fellowship with him. But when he repents, God is not only good to him, he fellowships with him. Same thing with Beth Shema. The entire period God doesn't talk to him. Is he good to him? He's good to him. No harm comes to him. Nobody defeats him. Everything is going on well in his life, but God doesn't speak to him. The minute he repents, God speaks to him again. there is righteousness, the fellowship is restored. So please understand these concepts because people are very emotional and they don't understand how God deals with people because like I keep telling, I don't want to be more merciful than God. I don't want to be you know? We always who is our model? It is Christ of our model. And God has given so many people through the Bible, through in which different parts of Christ's life is displayed. In Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all that is thing, But God is basically here telling us is that, understand these precepts. Look at these seven churches. Look at my promises to them. Put them all together in one. You get a full picture of what I expect from man, my son, my daughter, what I expect from you. You appropriate all this through the Spirit, through grace, and Revelation 21, 7, He who overcomes yeah, inherits, yeah. All all. So. In all, he inherits all. In all, in great Solomon. I mean, you can walk like Christ in heaven. Why? God will put it into your hands because he says, I don't see any difference between my firstborn and my secondborn. They're both the same. You have become a twin brother of my son. Mm-hmm. In identity-wise, you are the same. So I don't. Have, I can trust. I can give it to you. And Jesus will have no option at all. And Jesus has no issues. Mm-hmm. That's why he says, "Greater works this is." This. Can I, I can. I have no jealousy in me. I have no issues. If, yeah, mm-hmm. if you cohere with Christ, <laughs> if you can earn my father's mm-hmm. trust, mm-hmm. I have no issues. But you have to earn my father's trust. Mm-hmm. You have to earn my father's trust. And I have showed you the way mm-hmm. how you can earn my father's trust. And that's, I think we have one more question. Oh, so we finish question. it up. Yes. Last question.
1: God explained to Moses that he had made man's mouth.
0: Moses. Said, yeah, let us have that up on the scripture. Yeah, I think. 413, a, Exodus 413. 413. Exodus 413. Yeah, the question.
1: Mm, said i pray thee by the hand of him thou, sh- thou wilt send this verse has been misunderstood by many pastors and preachers in other words they interpreted uh lord i'm not going so god send someone else can you explain this verse to me please <laughs> yeah look at the <coughs> look at uh, look at uh,
0: the next verse also Four eleven mm-hmm. eleven eleven 11 to 13 this is uh, this uh, one one we read this was that
1: 413
0: okay 413 right yes. word 13 okay Go to verse 13. Verse yeah. Yeah. And uh, you don't read in verse 13 a lot. After mm. that, you should read verse 14. Mm. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Mm. Whenever people make this an excuse, after God has spoken to everything, I don't need anything. I just need a man who is available. You look at verse 11. He will tell you. Okay, verse 11. Okay, he will tell you. God said, who has made man mouth? You are saying you cannot speak. Who are you talking to? Are you are talking, talking to the creator. You cannot speak. I can make you speak. Bah. You cannot wow. hear. I can make awesome you hear. Awesome you cannot God. see. I can make you see. Bah. Who are you talking to? Hmm. Who are you making excuses? Ye kaam, idhar nahi chalega. Your excuses stop here. Because hmm. you are speaking to the creator. This is the pot talking back to the potter. Hmm. That's what you saying. Who are you talking? Have am I the Lord? What are you talking about? therefore go it's not that he will speak I will be your mouth I will teach you what you say and he says verse 13 he says verse 13 oh my lord please send by the hand of whomever else you may send Jesus. this is an excuse which God does not accept and scripture says the anger of the lord was kindled against Moses hmm. anger and you know what happens he was very angry and in his anger, like in his anger he, he gave, gave Saul. Yes. And, and in his wrath he took away. away. In his anger he listened to his prayer. Okay. You don't want to speak? Okay. Your brother will speak on your behalf. It's not a nice request. It's not a nice answer. It is judgment upon Moses. He says, in my anger. I know. I know he can speak well. Look, he's also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, you'll be glad in his heart. He says, he will speak. And that One request of Moses in his flesh paved the way for Israel's downfall. Mm. Downfall. Because what Moses should have done, Aaron did. In the public forum, it's a different thing. In the public forum, nobody knows Moses' hidden life with God. They see Aaron as a leader equal to Moses. This man has never had an encounter with the living God. He has never heard the voice of God. He stands there in front of the people. He is doing all these miracles. Moses is the leader. Aaron is the co-leader. This co-leader has no... is like joint director. has no experience with God. And then Moses is away for a little while. They tell him, Make us a God. Moses would have spanked the daylight out of them if they had asked him. He said, What God are you talking about? Do you know what God is like? I've met him face to face. I've heard his voice. What do you mean making an idol? But this man has no experience. So what does he do? He makes a cough. And from that point, Israel never recovered. If you look at Israel's fall, where it began, it it began with this one request. One request. Everything else after that is compared. If you look at it, Israel's fall, Israel's fall begins Because Israel's chosen redeemer in the flesh makes an obnoxious request to God. And God says, I'll give you a request in my hand. And from there, the fall begins. So, God, you will see these patterns playing out in lives, in churches, when people make these requests." So, this is, no, this is, pastors who use this are warped. They are not reading the entire context very, very carefully. They are using this as an excuse, since somebody else. Okay, let's see this thing. This is no—that is why you have to be very, very careful. Okay, where that uh, that question came from Australia? I'm not going. So send somebody. Can you explain this verse? Okay, went. everywhere. You will see, couple of mistakes that Moses makes will have its effects, long-lasting effects in Israel's history. One mistake is this: yeah. he, he goes in flesh, and he's replaced Jethro. by flesh to be. The second one is Jethro. Jethro. Jethro comes and gives him, not that the advice is bad, but the problem is why do you need the advice of flesh when you are hearing from God so clearly? Why do you need to hear? You are a man who has encountered God. God speaks to you. God speaks to you face to face. God is there to speak to you. Why do you have to listen to your father-in-law? Okay? Why do you have to listen to your father-in-law? Not that your father-in-law is a bad man, but when the father-in-law said it, it said, it's, um, thank you, Dada. It is fine. Daddy, let me go to the tent of the meeting and check with God if this council is okay or not. That's all. If he had gone to the council, God would have said, You know what? You really want 70? I will give you 70. One day that 70 will crucify my son. One day that 70 will become the rod in your hand which will beat that rock. Do you want that? Mr.
1: question here is yeah. is it possible that because he had such a long standing relationship with his father in law, his there was a part of his flesh which was yoked to him and therefore he had to he was afraid or he was he no, had No, no
0: none of the once you have encountered yeah, God. Exactly. So he didn't all that it, doesn't because matter, there was not a
1: distinction between the uh, it, it, the, the flesh and the spirit in, the, in that see, case.
0: All that could have been if it had happened before we can say that. Once he's encountered God on the in the burning bush. That's it. And then he has seen the power of God come. See, when he's bowing before Jethro and listening to his counsel, he has already brought judgment of Egypt, split the Red Sea, destroyed Egypt's army. He turned water mara to sweet. He has brought manna down. He has brought... after all this, what are you so, listening to? Exactly. So there's yeah. no excuse. It's absolutely, for a man without experience with God, we can understand mm-hmm, taking mm-hmm. counsel from somebody he thinks he is godly. But a man who has encountered God literally face to face, I'm not saying that you disregard that counsel. You should have taken that counsel and gone to the tent of meeting, sat before God and said, I heard this Lord. He is that what do you want to do? Instead, he listened to that counsel and God. See, this is what happens in parlance, we say. Authority will always back authority. Mm-hmm. So God doesn't want to humiliate his servant. So he says, okay, I'll put your spirit on 70 others. Oof. God will not humiliate Moses in front of the people because then what happens, people will defy authority. Mm. So God does not humiliate Moses at any point wherever he goes wrong. Because that's God's nature. God will not put His servants to shame. People may, but God will not. Because then it looks mocks His authority.
1: It's basically in a, even in a school yeah. when a when a teacher somebody has a complaint against the teacher, the yeah. principal will stand with the teacher. With and the not, teacher, And, and parents don't understand. Not with, the, understand uh, not, not with why? It's because
0: you are teaching a lesson. You have come I in quietly. We will deal with it. Don't make it into a public thing. Because in mm. a public thing, I have to stand with authority because you are mocking authority. Mm. You're mocking I thought. That's what happened. I learned it very early in life. Whenever I got whooped by a teacher in school in Bhutan, where my dad was the principal, when I came with all those wells, you know, because they use leather thongs and they hit you like this with a whip, okay. So, my mother used to immediately jump up and say, oh, who beat you this thing? And okay, I, I was more worried about my father than the teacher beating me because, uh, the response was completely different. No, mama, as soon as I come, my mother would tell you, "Did you see what you did? This thing." My father looked around me, and said, the first question is, "What did you do?" That is the question I didn't want want to hear. He <laughs> never stood with me. Mm. He always said, "If my one of my, this way, he said, if one of my teachers has to beat a student, the student has done something." I want to know what you did. So better quietly eat your dinner and go; otherwise, you will get the second helping from me. Okay, authority backs no, authority. authority yes. Okay, so this is where you have to always be very, very careful yes. about people in authority. Okay, people. See, David did all these things. Do you know what he did? He adultery, murder, lying, cheating, everything. confronted confided privately through a prophet. He did not put him before the public. He never. Mm. If David had not written it for the sake of generations to come, nobody would have known it. Mm nobody would have known. And that's because that's the same attitude David did with Samuel, with Saul. Saul pursued, pursued, pursued. He refused. He never, he never touched him. He never touched him. Refused him. He didn't call out the litany of all. He only told about Saul. He never told Saul about Saul's mistakes. He only asked Saul, did I do anything wrong? Why are you after my life? You not. You look at his words. He never says anything to Saul about this is who you are, you are an alcoholic, you are a drunkard, you are crazy, You this. he doesn't say any of those things. He says, D- what did I do to you? Hmm. Am I not your loyal servant? He never exposes all. Hmm. Never. This is things which you need to understand. A lot of things which God will do, but it will become judgment in our lives. And Moses was being very foolish, was being very stupid, actually over there, which paved the way for the downfall of Israel. On the other hand, if he had stood there alone, they're right Israel would have only one model to see. You know what? It was Moses. Instead, there was two models, the strong man and the, and the weak, weak man. man. And, and because they were all weak, they went with the, the weak The flesh, yes. They were all flesh. They went for the flesh, with the flesh. So in leadership, you need to be always, don't give two pictures. It has to be one, one picture. One single picture. One single picture. That is a mark of leadership. One One single single picture. picture. If there are multiple people in the leadership, they should present one picture, picture, absolutely solid, separated unto God, not a carnal picture. Because if you separate a carnal picture, even in a home, the father and the mother has to be one. That is where submission is talking about. One spiritual picture. The father is spiritual, the mother is carnal, the children will become carnal. The father is carnal, the mother is spiritual, most cases the children will go become carnal because you're given a split picture of authority and the f- everyone is born in the flesh and the flesh will always flow where you can escape authority that's what god is talking this was moses's big boo-boo that's enough for today Amen. because i have another day coming tomorrow mm-hmm. Preach. And Pastor Vijay is leading. Vibrant worship shall be there. We shall shake the stage. Hallelujah. <laughs> 90, 90 kilos shall be moving on that stage. <laughs> yeah. It is concrete and not good, so it can handle his weight. So we shall thank God. First, yeah, we'll Pastor Vijay pray. No?
1: Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this time that you've taught us so many things. Lord, you are such a good God. We want to thank you, Lord. We want to thank you, Father, that, Lord, you're interested in such little, little details in our lives, Father, because you, Lord, you're interested in giving us your best. We are sometimes so careless and callous about so many things. Father, we want to ask you, Father, to forgive us. I pray, Father, whatever we have learned to, Lord Jesus, we'll take it to heart. You'll we'll grant us the grace to put it to practice, so oh Lord, that we will truly desire to change, oh Lord, to change father in the likeness of your son a little more even this evening oh lord we thank you father come at this time once again into your hands come at tomorrow's service if you are tired to come and you choose to give us yet another day in the land of the living pray father that you would grant us another day so that we'll father we'll be found in your house on time and that we will continuously prepare ourselves for the days to come and for your coming oh lord we thank you we praise you we give you glory for in jesus mighty name we pray amen amen, amen.
2: amen.